didgeridoo means it's time for the Australia News Desk. Here's two of the craziest guys we could find south of the equator. It's Steve Vischer and Grant McHaren from the Plain Crazy Down Under podcast. Dateline, 3rd of March, 2014. Well, good day, folks, and welcome to the Australia Desk for this week for episode 289. And Grant, what a very, very busy weekend for us. It was the Royal Australian Air Force's uh, celebration of 100 years of military aviation here in Australia. Mate, that's right. It was absolutely a uh, fantastic event. I only got to see one day of it, uh, but I was flat out. I didn't really get to see much in the way of flying activities, actually. I saw some here and there, and I heard lots of sounds and everything, but I was flat out doing interviews uh, uh, around the JSF mock-up, talking to uh, a Lockheed test pilot for, about the F-35, to the Lockheed rep here in Australia, and a number of other folks. Uh, we got a couple of really good interviews around there, and of course the notification that the uh, first two RAAF pilots who are going over to the US to start their training have been announced, so got to meet them and have a chat. So for me, it was a lot of schmoozing as well to uh, start organising all the other events we've got coming up and all the other projects we've got for the year. Uh, yes, never a dull moment over here at the Australia desk, and uh, I tell you what, Grant, it was nice to uh, get away from all the doom and gloom. Uh, of course, Qantas has dominated the news this week. We talked last week a bit about it with predictions of uh, mass job cuts. Well, of course, not long after that went to air, uh, Qantas came out and announced that there would be uh, upwards of 5,000 full-time equivalent jobs, which you know means it's going to be more because, you know, two part-time jobs equals one full-time job. So a lot of people are going to lose their jobs at Qantas. Uh, the retirement of their 767 fleet uh, by next year, and uh, obviously getting rid of some of their 747s grant uh, and also delaying a lot of orders so a lot of bad news there they're losing a lot of money or at least they're making out that they're losing a lot of money and the brinkmanship continues but uh, I guess uh, going over to the air show at Point Cook was a welcome diversion from that. Uh, it certainly was mate it was absolutely wonderful to uh, not really have to think about it for a while and just to get some total immersion in some really wonderful uh, aviation uh, Went out to Point Cook on the Friday with Errol Cavett, our Kiwi mate, who uh, was over here and uh, joined up with us to uh, take f- still photos. We got him in on our media pass. And uh, we went in on the Friday to go and enjoy the box kite replica. So that was really good. F- uh, I really enjoy the replicas. So that really helped. And getting away from Qantas absolutely wonderful. And uh, folks, if you'd like to see video of the uh, replica Bristol box kite flying, you can head over to our YouTube channel and or over to our Facebook page and you can see a video there that our uh, video guru Stephen Pam made of that flight. Uh, I'll tell you what, it uh, looks rather flimsy, mate. I think I'd rather be flying in a 737 myself, but uh, <laughs> one of the people that uh, we did get to speak to there, uh, well, I, I got to speak to and, uh, you know, I'll tell you what, I wasn't half nervous, I'll tell you, it was uh, Air Marshal <laughs> Jeff Brown, who is the Chief of Air Force. Air Marshal Brown, thanks very much for taking some time to talk to us. My pleasure. The significance of the day, we're here, the 100 years of military aviation here at Point Cook. Can you tell us from an Air Force perspective, obviously, you know, what this means to the Air Force today? Well, there's not too many times you get to do 100, 100 years I guess not. of military aviation. So to do it on the same weekend, and, and this is a very speci- special weekend, that we actually flew the box guide 100 years ago when it all started, military aviation in Australia, I think is, is special. So We've got uh, pretty much the full spectrum of uh, Air Force aeroplanes from the box kite right through uh, on display today, including all of our current current types, so it's a pretty special day. Now, we always like to ask everybody uh, who comes on the show about their history, and uh, you joined the Air Force in 1980, so it's obviously been a long path to uh, get to where you are now. Yeah, no, it's uh, what's that, 34 years ago now, no. basically, so uh, and it's been a great career. I've had... Uh, a lot of great experiences flying different types. You know, started off flying helicopters and then uh, did a lot of instructing and then into F-18s and F-11s and uh, yeah, still 
fly occasionally these days. Okay, what do you what do you fly these days? What do you get out well, pri- privately or? Oh uh, yeah, I've got I've got my own uh, sailplane glider, so I still uh, still fly that. Probably only uh, once a year. I, I go to go to our national championships and do meet. I get about 40 or 50 hours in about two weeks. Oh, nice. That nice. does me for the year. <laughs> well, that's pure flying, isn't it? Sailplane it is. flying, yeah. It is. It is. So I've been doing that since I was about 13 or 14. Right. Like cadets and got a scholarship and uh, always sort of kept kept it up in between my military flight. Right. So that's a good point, coming through cadets. Is that your initial interest? Is that how you became interested in coming in? Yes. You know, I, I started on cadets. I was always interested in flying. And, uh, you know, we've still got a great cadet organisation, about 7,000 cadets and, 168 units right around Australia. So if you are interested in the Air Force, it's still not a bad way to go in. It's a great recruiting yeah, tool, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, you talked about uh, flying helicopters. Let's talk about it. CH-47s, a great unique snor- aircraft. They are. Yeah. They are. They are incredibly flexible. Uh, just could, could lift an amazing amount of stuff. Uh, didn't have the same sort of limitations as other helicopters because they were dual, dual rotor. Uh, yeah, it was an amazing three years. Got about a thousand hours. Right. So, tell us about uh, some of the uh, obviously such a unique helicopter and counter rotating blades. Is that is that a good? Is it a stable helicopter? I often think that helicopters should defy the laws of physics and screw themselves into the ground, but maybe not so much with the Chinook. No, but uh, you know, you just got to do some amazing things with it, uh, lifting containers off ships, lifting. Boston aircraft out of New Guinea, flying around New Guinea, wow. uh, lifting loads, bulldozers and things like that. Yep. Uh, working with the Army, with uh, artillery, uh, moving fire support bases from one place to another. So it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was a great experience. I'm interested about the, the dynamic of flying with something dangling underneath and I guess the pendulum effect. Is, is that obviously a very challenging thing to learn to come to grips with? It is and it de- depends very much on the load as well. Uh, different loads have different characteristics um, take for example Land Rover you can probably only do uh, take it at about 100 knots uh, the more unstable the load was the slower that you had to go yeah. occasionally when you experimented with loads uh, you'd have to drop them off because they got too, too unstable right okay and I guess uh, wind would be a, uh, obviously a weather conditions and that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. although the Chinook was uh, a little less prone than most helicopters to wind direction because of the double rotors. So it uh, it could take off downwind and, and basically with the, with the two rotors, you didn't have the same limitations as uh, tail rotor. Yeah. Do they have um, a good engine out? Uh, you know, for example, um, how do you auto-rotate these things to the ground? We don't, don't have to because it's uh, it had two engines uh, come transmissions on the front of those, they went in a combining transmission, then two sh- one shaft to the front, one shaft to the back another transmission to drive the rotors so if you lost lost an engine the one engine would just keep driving both rotors, so it wasn't, it wasn't a big and obviously we're, um, you know, been used to great effect particularly over in the Middle East area of operations yeah, they've done some great things over in uh, Afghanistan, they've been uh, because the conditions in Afghanistan have required a lot of performance because it's high, it's high altitude. And the Chinook, in lots of ways, is the ideal helicopter for us. Yeah, outstanding, outstanding. Now, I wanted to talk to you, obviously, about uh, transitioning from rotary wing aircraft, and particularly something as unique as the CH-47, uh, into flying fast jets. That's a, a rather different path to take. Yeah, although the way um, Air Force does its pilots course, it's still got its pilots course, we basically uh, train 
to Jet Steed and when I was around we had the Mac in 326. Mm. So it was just, it was really a matter of just refreshing on the jets because our basic training had taken us that far anyway. So it really wasn't too much of a problem. Is that, that's something I find, well, it seems to me that that's unique to the Royal Australian Air Force or I guess smaller-sized air forces like ours where people tend to multitask. I spend a lot of time exposed to the US Air Force where it seems if somebody flies Type A, that's what they stay in. I, I think that the small air force, and it's one of the advantages of the small air force, is you need to have flexibility with your people. And uh, when the air force owned the helicopters, it was a great uh, breeding ground for, for fighter pilots in lots of ways because we could, they could actually uh, they could actually get a lot of captain hours quite quite early, and you got uh, experience very quickly. And uh, you matured, and then they had a look at the flight fighters after that. Yeah. And do you still find that most young young people coming into the Air Force have got their eyes on fast jets? Well, I think so at the start, yeah, certainly. But it really doesn't matter what, what you fly, the experience is amazing. You know, if you look at C-17s and C-130s and P-3s, they're pretty exciting operations. So. All of our listeners would know, they've been listening to our show for a long time, that the Hercules is my favourite. Had I ever been successful to get into the RAF, that's what I would have wanted to fly. But yeah. I, I find myself unique in that viewpoint sometimes. No, uh, well, uh, you know, its nickname is the Fat, Fat Albert, but it's been the workhorse of the Air Force for 50 years. Yeah. And, uh, it's been an amazing airplane, and uh, the crews have amazing experiences. So I've, I've flown into, into Afghanistan with them. You know, just recently they did a lot of great work in the Philippines on, on typhoons. And, uh, They'll be around forever, won't they? They'll be around for uh, yeah, a while longer. And there we go, Grant. I tell you what, uh, it's good to relax into an interview like that. Uh, I must apologise about the background noise. Uh, it was very, very noisy. <laughs> Obviously, any time you go to an air show like that, it's going to be noisy. But I think uh, in that room where we recorded that, there was uh, more military brass in that room, I think, than I've ever seen anywhere in my life, including the Avalon uh, media launch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were a lot of uh, group captains and upwards at uh, Avalon. So I would imagine that you'd have group captains, air vice marshals and so on, uh, a plethora of them. And a Big shout out to our very own historian, uh, David Vanderhoof, who gave me some uh, great pointers to uh, ask uh, Air Marshal Brown <laughs> regarding CH-47 Chinook flying, because I don't know all that much about it. But uh, David, obviously, living just down the road from the factory, uh, obviously knows uh, a lot about that. So thanks, David. Really appreciate it, mate. And that interview will go for about 15 minutes, the full version of that one. So that'll be coming up in a very uh, soon-to-be-released episode of Plane Crazy Down Under. So that's everything we have for you this week, folks. And of course, uh, now we've got to get ready for next weekend. And uh, Another air show down at Tyre, a local one here in Victoria, which is uh, always a very big event. Grant, I think we better uh, get this one edited and get uh, lots of sleep before then. Oh, I don't know about the sleep, mate. I'm off to Canberra tomorrow for the F-35 cockpit sim. I'll be down at sail, East Sail at uh, the uh, airbase on Friday to record the F-18s. And then we've got Saturday, Sunday and Monday at the air show to record this DVD for them. Oh, well. It beats working for a living, that's all I can say. Until next week, I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm the stressing Grant McCarran. <laughs> Cheers, folks.